Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step based organizations or groups in any way. Today's episode, I have a very, very dear friend of mine. Her name's Lanny. Please welcome Lanny to the show. Hi guys, I'm Lani. There she is. I'm a dope fiend. Hello. Um, I like a little bit of everything. My sobriety day is 11 of 2021. All right, right on. So, you know, every time I get a guest on here, it's, it's, you know, it's usually a personal friend. You know, I have recovery all-stars and that's who I get on the show. And, and I brought her, uh, my dear friend and she's definitely, definitely a miracle, definitely a recovery all-star. And I always like to think back of the first time I met you. And I got out of prison about a year ago and I got asked to speak at a meeting. It was a Tuesday night HA meeting at New Freedom. And I also want to say that it was the first time I drank a bang energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> In about eight years. And I'll tell you what, I was foaming at the mouth like a pit bull during this. And I'll never forget it. And, you know, Lanny was at this meeting and we're in a big circle and she was sitting directly in front of me. And I I remember seeing her and looking at her and she was engaged and looking into her eyes and just just that moment. And when I think about, you know, experiencing God and a higher power, when I look at all the people in my life and I really see how God placed them in my life to, you know, when they do their part and I do my part and we get to share in a share in a spiritual experience together and fast forward now to where we are today to share this moment with you yeah. after that moment and everything else that's transpired between then is, is just is a way that we get to experience God together. What do you remember about that day? I remember sitting there and I remember um, I was fairly new this time. You know, I'm a chronic relapser and I, I sat down and I hear this man say that he just got out of jail, but he has some sobriety time and he sits there and he looks like he just starts spitting fire. And um, I'm a dope fiend, you know, I'm, I'm, I am that one. I just, I throw everything away. And when I'm listening to this man and I get engaged to your, to your story and um, you hit a lot of points with me, with prison, with kids and like, uh, like just the hopeless state of mind. And I get, I'm watching you and you're just spitting fire and you're spitting fire and there's tears coming down my eyes and you got a smart ass mouth too. So it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like, because you drop some and I'll be like, I'll be so into it and it's be heart wrenching. And you'll tell me about your daughter and how you couldn't see her no more. And then you say something off the wall, funny. And it was just intense. Well, apparently you liked it so much because now fast forward, she, I call her my agent. Because she has literally heard me do a speaker meeting at least 10 times. She books me all across the valley. So I call her my agent. So apparently she definitely did like it. Um, But, you know, we don't get to that point that day and, you know, and to Mm -hmm. where we are. Every journey starts somewhere. And so your journey starts in Casa Grande. So why don't you tell us a little bit what it was like growing up in Casa Grande, your family heritage, the family dynamic. What would that look like for you? So I'm um, half white and half Hispanic, right? So that means I'm an Irish Mexican. Um, oh, hold up. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a second generation American, and that's real important growing up. At a very young age, my dad went to jail. So we used to live in Hemet, California, and we had to move back when my own man went to prison. So at that time, we moved to Eloy, Arizona. Oh, shot Eloy. <laughs> Watch out. Oh, the circle, okay? Hey, the dust devils. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Eloy. You know, um, and that's when my life got real. How much time did your dad do? 
My dad did 13 years. 13 years. And that, and he went away when you were a young child, right? Yeah, but he was also in the army too. So okay. like when he came back, he, he came back, he wasn't wrapped tight, you know? Yeah. Like it, it, it destroyed him. I believe it was like three or four trips to Nam. Like, and wow. so when my big brothers used to talk about my pop, you know, and how he used to be. And the thing that sucks is that I never met that man. Never until got to see later, that man until later. Until later, right? Until right? Way later, you know. And so, with dad being gone, and you know, I, I've had the privilege of sponsor a lot of men, and you know, I have a lot of friends in recovery, and the clients at work, and so I just assumed that during that period of time there was some trauma. There's, you know, you know, single mom. You got how many siblings? I have seven siblings, seven brothers. I'm the only girl in five generations on my dad's side. Okay, so you got a big family. Yeah. Dad's in prison. Yeah. Single mom. That's got to be tough. So what was that time period like? What do you remember about growing up? I remember my mom never being there and my brothers, my brothers loved me, you know, like uh, they taught me how to fight. They taught me how to cook. They taught me like my, my brothers pretty much raised me, but my brothers are also 10 years my senior, you know, and uh, they moved out, you know, they yeah. came to visit a little bit. And um, of course I have trauma, you know, uh, I remember at a very young age, my step-grandfather started doing ugly things to me, you know, and uh, for a while, it was just uh, touching me and inappropriately molestation, you know, yeah. and um, as I got older at the age of nine, um, I didn't know how to read or write. So, like, yeah. I was I was that real special ed kid. Yeah. Like, I wish I could sit here and tell everybody that um, I came from a good family. They yeah. loved me. But the truth is, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Like... Some ugly shit happened in it. It affected it, you for a long, long time, time. Long time. Until I was 40 years old, you know? And yeah, um, I do know. Um, I didn't know if there was a comeback from that. I didn't. That's later, but. Um, so you experienced some trauma. Yeah. You know, some molestation, some yeah. trauma. Your brothers moved out. Dad, abandonment from dad. Abandonment you feel from your brothers. Low self-worth. And we carry that with us for such a long time. Forever. When did you actually start, you know, when was your first experience with smoking weed? Because typically that's uh, where it starts, right? Okay, so at the age of nine, uh, my grandfather took my innocence, okay? And uh, my brothers taught me how to roll joints, you know. He didn't teach me how to roll joints. I'm just a nosy-ass little girl <laughs> that I watched and observed how to roll a joint. I mean, that hasn't changed. And yeah, no, no, not at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I, after that happened, I used to go, do you know what a black and white TV is? Yeah, I know what a black and white Because you're kind of like square, you know? What are you saying, I'm bougie or yeah, what? I don't know pretty what? much, bro. I see where you grew up. You know what I mean? Peoria, <laughs> shout out, Peoria, shout out. 67th and Cactus, you know what it is. What's up? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so we had a black and white TV and like a, Westerns would come on. And uh, like I said, I didn't know how to read or to write. So I just... I'd be broken and I'd watch these westerns and John Wayne would always come on, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I would go smoke weed on the top of the roof after shit would happen, you know? Yeah. Like, and, uh, that was your safe place. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where yeah. I was like, okay. And I'd, I'd pray that. Um, that it would end? No, that John Wayne would come save that me, John bro. Wayne would come save you. I just wanted John Wayne to come save me. I wanted to know why my dad wasn't there saving me. You know, and uh, from there, it, a, a, a child, what I know today as an adult and with a clear mind that's not poisoned with any drugs or alcohol, right? Um, 
a child is learns, you know, a, a child is taught things. So like growing up as a child in my adolescence, I'd go to my friend's house and what do people do? They hump in the toy box, right? Like mm-hmm. I was taught ugly things at a very young I was yeah. taught sexual contact at a very young age. So like I'd go and I'd play doctor and I'd do all this stuff and I thought it was okay. Yeah. I, I think like um that's what I was taught, you know? And I had this friend. Her name was her name was Deborah. And she's the only friend I had in school, right? And I went to her house one day and uh I tried to kiss her and do that kind yeah. of stuff no young girl has any business doing, right? Mm-hmm. And she tells me, who taught you that? Little girls, my mommy and daddy says little girls aren't supposed to do that. And she tried to tell me, and like, I remember she's my only friend growing up. She she liked me. She used to bring me like apple applesauce cups and um, those little lunch bowls, you know, the pizza mm-hmm. kinds and stuff. Like, she was my friend. She just liked me. And if they always picked on her, I would come running. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. she was my friend. She's the only friend I had. And I grew up with boys, so I loved to fight. And when they fought, they kicked me out of school so I wouldn't have to be forced to try to read something or be embarrassed, you yeah. know? I remember feeling so disgusted. Like, I never talked to my friend again. Yeah. You know? Like. And so that's tough, you know, dealing with all these things, you know. And so, you know, we learn these false beliefs, things that we believe to be true. And we learn those behaviors when we're young. We, we think it's the right way to do things. And a lot of times we don't learn till way later in life. And so ultimately you start smoking weed, um, you know, hoping that you're in your safe place, that John Wayne will come get you. <laughs> right. And then usually the natural progression is like violence. Right. You said you like to fight. What, what, what's that look like for you? OK, um, a couple years after that. I'm in about the third or fourth grade, and uh, do you guys do you remember those um, tunnels, those concrete tunnels on the playground? Yeah. Well, I like to smoke hooters in them. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. the sixth grader came, and my brother started. I told him that they were picking on me, Jason, and my brother said, "Okay," he started giving me pocket knives. Great, yeah. just what a little girl like me needs, right? Yeah. Um, are we talking like a Swiss Army pocket knife? Are we talking like a Swiss? You look like, more like a Swiss like, butterfly knife. No, like a like a camping knife, bro. Oh, like, like it's got like, scissors and a corkscrew on it. No, fuck no. Are no, we talking knife. about like a deer knife? No, like a like Smith crocodile Dundee. No, hell no. Like that's a Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson knife. Look at you, crocodile howdy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you had knife, and you know you got uh, some violence. This boy rips my shirt. You know. And he's in the sixth grade, and I'm about in the third grade, and I stab him, Jason. Mm-hmm. I slice him up, and I stab him, and uh, nobody would believe me at school that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And anytime a teacher would even think that I was being abused or anything, and uh, my grandparents would find out about it, I'd get my ass beat. You know, like, I have scars on my legs to this day for someone even having an inception and calling them and asking them what was going on. It has nothing to do with me telling on them, right? So this incident happens with the little boy there, and I told him the truth for the first time. I tell the principal the truth, I tell the cops the truth, I tell the teacher the truth, and my shirt's ripped, my bra straps hanging out, you know, but nobody would believe me. So right then and there, I remember that day clearly. That was it for me. That was it. Yeah. I was well, a liar. Yeah. I was like, no one. Honestly, was there. don't work. Yeah. Honestly, don't right? work. So 
So ultimately, there's got to be some consequences, and that lands you in a group home. What was that like? <laughs> well, let me tell you. How many you, kids were there? That lots. About like 15, I remember. But the coolest thing in the world is these kids were hit to the game. You they were just I mean? like you? They were, no, they were worse than me. They, they, really? They about it. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. All I right. learned some things, you know? And I learned, uh, learned how to drink a little bit. I learned how to... I learned how to be cool. I learned how to fight really good. And if I fight people for people, they like me, you know? Like, yeah. all I got to do is fight a little bit or do do whatever they want. So, basically, I was their little bitch, right? Yeah. Like, doing... Well, people-pleasing runs deep. Yeah, right? <laughs> because we seek... Same thing with me. I seek validation through others. Exactly. Right? I'll compromise my own wants, my own beliefs. I'll do things I don't want to do just because I want you to like me. Exactly. And it, and it happens so quick. And when we cross into that stage, it's just like it'll affect us for very long, forever until we treat it. <laughs> yeah. Just like everything. Right? We get to recovery and ultimately you've treated these things. And so when we get to recovery, we have to identify like the causes of our conditions. We do that through a fourth and a fifth step. We really get Absolutely. to see that. We really get to see the why. Um, so you end up in a group home about 12 years old, you start doing hard drugs. There was an overdose involved. What, what was that all about? So in the group home, they taught me what methamphetamines was. Oh. I didn't like it the first time I did it. Right. So I waited. Are you but, a picker or are you a window looker? Uh, Both? I, I, I'm about it. I want to uh -huh. do anything and everything, whatever I can, just so everybody will love me. Right. Oh, so like, you're, you're wilding I'm, out. I'm wilding out. Like, Smooth on like, wilding out. As long as people are paying attention to me and telling me what a good person, like, or whatever, you know, let's go. You know, <laughs> I get some kind of praise in this. It's, it's a wrap. You know? And it's sad because that's all I wanted to be was wanted. Yeah, you know? Sure. Um, so you start doing meth or no, actually, like I did it a couple times and I didn't like it, but let me tell you what was my shit as a little girl, T THC weed's cool, but like shrooms, acid, uh -huh. like that uh -huh. kind of stuff was, oh, I'm oh man, it was the best trip in the whole world, mm -hmm. you know? So you started experimenting in harder drugs. Yes. So try this, yes. you try mushrooms. And ultimately we start trying a whole bunch of different things. And then I can kiss boys. And then you have right? confidence. Like right? I, I can kiss so not a girl, a boy. Yeah. And be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, this isn't as weird as I thought it was, you know? So mm -hmm. it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was at the time. At the know? time. And see, the crazy part is, is that's the only now, fast forward another 20 years, the only times we remember about our addiction. For me, is 1997 <laughs> sophomore year in high school. That's it. Yeah. That, it was fun. Then. Hey, yeah, right. I'm gonna be 40 yeah. in <laughs> a few like, months. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. But it's crazy this disease, this yeah. alcoholic mentality, because that's all we remember. Yeah. And it was fun then. It, it was, yeah, you know. It was like it's. But it's, the next 20 years were not fun. Uh, no, <laughs> they were not no. fun. And so you're experimenting with harder drugs. You actually overdose on alcohol. Yeah. Um, uh huh. They double dare me. They double dog dare me. Oh, they double dog dare at the mall, and I got a double dog. Say dare. I won't. That day they did. Yeah. They did. <laughs> so I had a show going to Fry's uh, grocery store right there in Casa Grande, and we take some bottles. Uh -huh. And so they double dog dare me again, and you know I gotta have that validation. Yeah. I got. I gotta know. Yeah. You can't slam that. Yeah. Slam it. This shit tastes disgusting. Why would yeah. I want to slam it? What are we for? talking? You know what kind of liquor? It was a black velvet. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Oscar, God, yeah. not, I could never even smell that shit again. Um, yeah. I chug it. Uh -huh. I chug it like a beast. Uh -huh. And I wake up, you know, I wake up in the hospital and uh, I swear to everything I love, I'm never going to drink alcohol again. Give me acid shrooms or some marijuana and I'm game. Yeah. Um, my mom takes me home and 
I feel disappointment. Like, uh, she never knew what she did wrong. And that hurt even more, you know? Yeah. How could you know, not know that that man was hurting me? It was her fault, not mine, you know? Yeah. Um, I always thought of it, it was me, me, me. Little did I know that she was a hardworking woman, taking care of her old man, staying staying faithful to her. I don't know. I, I'm not my mom by any means. You know what I mean? Um, she was faithful to her dude. She was raising kids that weren't even hers. My older brothers aren't even hers. And she was woman enough to raise them, you know? Yeah. Like a... But we don't realize that at the time. Hell no. no. I hated her. Yeah. Like, well, see, we have to blame others for our problems <laughs> right? because it allows us to continue our negative behavior. Yeah. And so that, that, I mean, it's a defense mechanism. We have to. And until we really look at ourselves, our actions, our attachments, mm -hmm. and the way we contribute to the problem instead of, because recovery is about identifying a problem, getting to the solution, right? right? That's what we do today. Life yes. happens. Problems happen. But <laughs> we find the solution. And it's quicker to get to it every single time. Right. And so ultimately, you know, you have the overdose. You stay with your grandparents for a little bit. Mom comes back in. You go to move in with her. But when you go to move back in with mom, mom's got three jobs. It's a wrap. It's a party house? Yeah, or Shoot, I was doing. Okay, so it was done. I was done. Like, I, I, nobody wanted me. Like, I, 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 I remember there was a time where um, I would steal her stuff. Yeah. Because I was so angry at her. You know what I mean? This is as a child, not as an adult. But like she'd come home and be like, "Where's, where's the electricity money? Where's the, I don't know." A couple of days later, our lights get turned off. You know, yeah. Like, so it's a struggle. Yeah, you it's, know, it's a super struggle, but, and it's tough. And we're going through that. And so your mom's gone. Now you're just smooth on wilding out. You're into the harder drugs. Methamphetamines. Here I come, bro. Yeah. Like uh, I'm hanging out with these these group of guys and like uh. Grown men shouldn't even hang out with like fourteen-year-old little girls, you know. Let alone teach me what I needed to know, you know. Yeah, um, sure. I made an IV. I become an IV user at that time, and uh, fourteen years old. We're talking fourteen years old, and this is my dad. My dad's back in my life, right? Well, so and dad gets out of prison. Yeah, dad's out of prison. Does he come I, back swole? Was he doing push-ups or my no? My dad is an Auburn redhead. Um, oh, this, olive, is, this is the Irish side. Yeah, olive blue-eyed white boy and i see my mom sitting on her lap and my mom's like pachuca status right yeah, uh -huh. like beautiful thick woman and yeah. i never seen her sit on a guy ever in my life so like because yeah, your dad's been gone uh, your whole life this point. Yeah. Yeah. so i walk in and uh there he is she, she's sitting on this white boy's lap <laughs> that has a big ass red beard and yeah. red hair and has yeah. jeans on and has this leather ugly fucking thing on because well, your dad's a biker yeah. right and he's a white boy at that yeah <laughs> so growing up i remember them calling me cracker baloney like yeah. uh my cousin's picking on me uh my uncle calling me booger because of my eyes or because i had boogers yeah. in my nose hell i don't even know yeah um it clicks i'm white yeah i'm not full-blooded mexican they don't like me because I'm white. Like, I didn't understand because I had lighter skin than them. And um, compliments to Perryville because now I got a pretty good damn town, you know? Um, but. Was that a Perryville shout out? Yeah, right now? sure. Okay. Right. Give it up, girls. Yeah. Hey. For all the girls on lockdown. Mom Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but dad comes home. He's a biker. You haven't seen him in forever. And, and I just, hate him instantly. I, he's Why? big. Why? 
because when I needed him to save me, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. I just wanted, like, I didn't know why. I didn't know why I couldn't go to jail to visit him. I didn't know why my brothers could love him. I didn't know why he didn't want me. Yeah. And then, like, the type of prisons that are in California and here, like, max facilities aren't for little girls. And as I get older, and out of prison, my, my uncle tells me that I had to do with my grandpa, my dad's dad, because, like, not all my family were crooks. Not I didn't like my dad's side of the family were like cops and shit. Like, yeah. you know, they were like law abiding citizens. Yeah. And I'm the only girl. But I was so hurt. I didn't want to get to know them. So you were giving dad hell. I hell. Like, <laughs> oh my God. That man chased me on a Harley one time in a boy's Cadillac. I feel sorry for that boy. I never spoke to that boy again. He hates me to this day. You know what I mean? Like, uh, all kinds of stuff, huh? God. So the first time my dad ever told me he was proud of me, uh, I overheard a conversation. Because remember, like I said, I'm nosy and observant. You know, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I want to be praised. I want to be complimented. And I hear him talking about bringing back 175 pounds of methamphetamines. And I know how to do it. I got a guy. Uh, yeah, right. I, get, <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just have to find a bitch and eat now, yeah. right? Um, so how'd you do it? I got a female dog that was in heat, and I put her in there to throw the dogs off. And I put a bunch of hay and four horses in it, and I came back with 175, 70, 175 pounds of methamphetamines. And my dad loved me. I was good enough for my dad that day. My dad told me he was proud. And balls to the walls after that. I remember getting... But you joined the gang life during that period of time, too. You were in yeah, a gang? Cause yeah. Because that's usually what happens. Usually most people yeah. join a gang is because they're seeking that family. Yeah. They're seeking to be loved. But we still have the false beliefs about what love is, right? So I meet a boy. I meet a boy, right? See, what had happened was. Yeah, I meet a boy. And he's a Mexican. And <laughs> uh -huh. he's like, he's kind of cute. And he's kind of hard. He's kind of a little bit harder than me, I want to say, you know. Um, and I lost it. Uh, shit hits the fan. I remember my mom and dad fighting and like splitting up and my dad moving to Las Vegas and my mom staying in Arizona. And uh, at this time, my dad's gone in Las Vegas and I'm running amok and I'm making my mom's life hell. And uh, I walked in. I, I have a scars to this day from a drive-by and bullets and my body. And like, uh, I didn't want to go to the hospital. I was higher than a kite. My mom said that's enough. She put me on a plane. She told me that my dad was going to meet me at the airport. And I couldn't even speak to my dad. I didn't even like my dad. You know what I mean? Like, um, the only time I liked my dad is when I was getting cashed out mm -hmm. or when I was going to make something in between. I know my dad gets high and my dad knows I get high, but we don't get high together at this time, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I moved to Las Vegas and um, I meet the wildest people that I've ever met, the most wildest and solid people any 16-year-old could ever fucking meet, right? Yeah. And we live on Tropicana and Jones, and um, these people teach me things that... Casa Grande's a small town, and we got people that are about it, but we don't got tricks and pimps and hoes and, like... Uh, and Vegas. Like, Vegas is Vegas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you know what you mean. So I meet these people, and... uh these people start teaching me some things and that's all I needed to learn with some things. Cause I learned these things and um, 
I had a friend get shot right in front of me. Shout out Killer. Killer. Tony. Yes. Shout out Tony Johnson. Yes, that was OG Tony Johnson. Vegas. He was actually on a previous episode. Yeah. What a trip that was. That's a spiritual experience and how you that, run back into him and yeah, how I knew him. And we yeah. know the same person from this trip. God's doing something so amazing that I wouldn't even think he could possibly do, you know? But we're all sober together and that's that's the benefit of it, right? And how long did you stay in Vegas for? Two years, maybe. And this when you have your first child? No, 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 no. I leave a year, 15, 16. I have one year. Um, I meet these people and Tony gets shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. He gets shot several times. And I knew that I needed to get a gun. At this time, I ran away from home. My dad had a girlfriend. We lived in Las Vegas. I hated him. My little brothers came to live with us. And... I'm running the streets with the baddest people on the west side of Vegas that I could ever be on, but these people accept me and they bring me home because I hate my dad so much that I'm running away. Well, I ran away for a month and he makes me come home, right? And he ships me back to Castle Grand. And I meet this boy and I start having sex, like sex, sex, like with a boy and not a girl, like for mm -hmm. the first time, besides the stuff that happened to me as a child. The second time I have sex with him, I get pregnant with twins twins savannah and georgia yeah and um you actually have two sets of twins i do abigail and andrew are my youngest set of twins um so 16 years old you have twins yeah at 17 i have them yeah and um i swore to myself that i'm gonna raise these little girls see i name them savannah and georgia because of john wayne right majority of john wayne's movies were were filmed in savannah georgia mm. and um that's my romantic place. That's my uh, safe that place. Is, yeah, like you know. So I named my daughter Savannah and Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. Um, I tell myself every day that I'm gonna be the best mom I could possibly be. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna cherish them. I'm gonna hold them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to be a great mom. I do the exact opposite. Yeah. Shortly after leaving them, a couple months with my mom, they're a couple months old. I dip like this isn't for me. These diapers are disgusting. I'm gonna hurt them like they hurt me. And um, I have kids rapidly in a ten year process, like uh, back to back to back to back. And you didn't raise them, and it's crazy because we, we say I'm never gonna be like my dad. I'm never gonna. I mean, it's so common. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to do those things. But the problem is that's how we've learned how to be parents. Mm -hmm. We don't know any other way. We were never taught that way. We didn't have positive role models. We've right. never seen it. We don't know what it looks like. And the fear exactly. that's associated with that is becomes too much for us. So what do we do? Like we do yeah. everything. We take off. Yeah. We take off. Yes. And, and we bounce. So over a period of time, you have a bunch of kids. A bunch. A bunch of kids. A bunch. And so from there, you know, it's safe to say, you know, that when we're using drugs and when we have kids, typically who gets involved? CPS. CPS. So again, you know, it's it's CPS for for those who don't know, because they've changed the name. It's now called DCS, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So CPS is Child Protective Services. So they get involved. You got kids, you're using drugs, unsafe environment, and everything that goes along with us. We're incapable of taking care of ourselves in addiction, let alone kids. 
that doesn't work out. Mm. And so the kids get involved and in, uh, the CPS gets involved with the kids. Yes. And then you stop using for a period of time or you're California no, sober? I'm, I'm California sober. Oh, you're Demi Lovato uh, sober. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not sticking a needle in my arm, but I do have a joint and a beer in my hand. Yeah, that's probably okay. Yeah. every night. Like, that's you know a, I mean? that's, that's a Demi Lovato sobriety. Yeah, like, and I wasn't ready. Just so everyone knows, the program says it's a program of complete abstinence. Yeah, abstinence. Anytime, like nothing. Nothing like whatever nada. into my system. Nothing. That's for, that's nothing. another conversation okay. for another time okay. and place. Yeah, <laughs> right? We can go on for days with that one. So, but you try. You try for a period of time. You start um, working some jobs. You stay off the hard drugs. What was that time period of like when the CPS was involved, when you were trying for a period of time? Okay, like it would it would, it would go so smooth for like the first couple months and cps would be there and i'd be a mom and i'd be like okay i got this and like my family's real ugly sometimes you know they said some ugly things and like you don't deserve them you're not a good mother and i made some pretty shitty decisions that had hardcore consequences that much is true you know but every time i gave it my all that i really 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 wanted to be a mom i didn't think like i didn't feel like a it was a little self-worth <sighs> i wasn't enough I didn't love me enough or believe in something greater than me. Like in the book back of Alcoholics Anonymous, it tells us like we have to believe in something. It doesn't matter if it's your higher power or my higher power, but I have to have a spiritual connection. Like and and not put the first pick up the first drink or drug, right? Um, I was broken. I was damaged. I was a I couldn't do it. I could I couldn't I couldn't do it for them. No matter how much I tried, you know, because mm -hmm. they are beautiful children and I love them very, very much. I just didn't know how because I didn't know how to love myself. And so love is an action word, right? It's all gonna... about action. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to really truly realize that. I used to yeah. tell my wife on the phone, I'd be like, babe, I love you. And she'd be like, so shut up. <laughs> I, I believe was, it. I, I'm from the prison yard after I just asked her for money. And I was like completely confused. But kind of what you're describing right there about not being able to do for the kids and it's the baffling feature of addiction, the utter inability to leave yes. it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I could see the need. I got the kids. I got CPS involved. I want to be a mother. And I just can't not not use. And so ultimately, I get high. You get high and you bounce I, out. I, I, I stick. I run. Like a, It's mostly when things are really, 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 really good with them, too. Like a, they, they, They're trusting me again. And I. It's too good to be true, Jason. Like yeah. I, I have to sabotage something, like because that's what I'm comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know. And I run. And pull I leave the them. structure down in her head by yeah. a senseless series of sprees. Yes, exactly. And so you go right, but you don't just bounce and get high. You go full throttle into the lifestyle. Exactly. You're selling drugs, everything. Like you meet a, another guy. I, I meet a, uh, my youngest, my youngest twins is dad, and uh, I'm gonna. I like him. I like his accent. He's from Georgia, so like uh, my inner child likes him even more, you know, because of John Wayne and like all that stuff. Because that's my fantasy land, right? And uh, I started doing drugs with him. I started selling drugs with him. I started getting with him, and um, we started going to town, doing what I do best, you know, yeah. or so I thought. Um, I get raided a couple times. First you, get, you get raided three times. Yeah. So you get <laughs> We're not talking a couple, we're talking three times. Yeah. You got, got raided three times. Sorry. So the first time you got raided was in 2009. What yeah. What was that all about? That was, uh, I had drugs, I had this, I had that, you know, and uh, I had an ego and I was the shit. Couldn't change my kids' 
diapers, couldn't buy them formula, couldn't do nothing for my children, but I was the shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was hard. Yeah. I was I was about that life, and I was a drug dealer, and I, I was all these things that I thought was cool when I was wrong, right? So they come and raid my house, and uh, I think I'm the shit. I got a smart-ass mouth. They think that the house is under JC's name, you know, and I'm like, I got them beat. These motherfuckers yeah. don't know that I got some wit. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Way smarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like so smart. He don't get mail. He don't get mail here. Yeah. What are you talking about? You have a warrant for somebody that doesn't even live here that comes over here. You have a warrant for his arrest. You don't live here. You don't. Yeah. You can't come in here. You don't even trip. I got him <laughs> on a technicality. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm uh, right off the rip thinking that I'm the shit. I get let go. Um, I should have seen it. Like, okay, it's time to slow down. But any, I like more, more instant gratification, right? More, 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 more. I thought that I was the shit. And the truth was, is that they're building a case on me. Yeah. Uh, They're watching, taking pictures. I have a couple trap houses and uh, they're snapping it. Snapshot, snapshot recordings, uh, five informants. Oh, they're putting together that grand (laughs) Diamond. Diamond. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I didn't go to prison for nine and a half years for nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh. So they start building this case on me, and my parents say the second time I get raided. Um, so about a year later, after they build the case, that's when they finally come to raid you again. They raid you in 2010. Yeah. But this time you go to county jail. Yeah, I go to county jail for some. So that was story. the first time you've ever been to county jail, right? No, I've been to county jail a couple times, like in my childhood, but they yeah, were juvenile. petty stuff, like, yeah. you know. Um, this is the first time I stay in county jail. Like I've been. Overlord stayed for a couple days and shit, you know what yeah. I mean? But the first time I actually had to stay there for 30 days and my parents, my parents did it on purpose. You know what I mean? Like tough love. I understand what tough love is today at the time I didn't. Sure. I fucking hate, I was going to kill him and I was going to cuss them out because you know, I'm the shit, right? Yeah. I'm the plug, right? Yeah. My dad knows how much money I can make, right? So why, why aren't they jumping for me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, the- Again. But they're raising my kids, right? Uh-huh. Like uh, they're doing what I couldn't do, right? They're making sure my kids have a good home. My aunts and all of them are involved, you know. But I'm so selfish and self-centered, right? It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Yeah. So they finally come and get me, and I stay there for a little bit, right? And I do good for a little bit, and they said if I just stayed home and I fought the case and I stayed home, and that wasn't the case, right? I leave like I always do. I do a good for a little bit, but like. That inner junkie in me, like I love a needle and I love to get high. Well, if we don't, if we don't treat this thing, we will use again. <laughs> exactly. We will. If we don't have a defense, we don't have a connection to higher power. We don't have a support system. We don't have our fellowship. We're not comfortable with sharing about the way we feel. We haven't treated our trauma. We're full of resentment. We're full of fear. Yeah. It talks about that in the big, big book. book. Fear touches every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. The sex, sex inventory relationships. We yes. don't know what is going on uh-huh. in there. <laughs> and, yes. and just relationships in general. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how to have a meaningful one because I'm involved in it. And I have no exactly. idea what it even is. So when we think about all those untreated things, now I can see. And it's, it's you know, you've worked the steps and you've taken yeah. many women through the steps at this point. And so when you write everything down, your four step, you got your composition book, you know, and, and just a side note, don't leave that thing out. You don't want anyone. You, don't let your wife read your four step, or fifth step. Oh mm-hmm. man! Keep an eye on I, that thing. I didn't. I did not have sexual relations. <laughs> I did not have sexual relations uh, with them. And so, and so, when we look at that composition book and we see 10, 15 pages, 
those are the things that we carry on our heart, all those untreated you know, issues. Those untreated issues that like, I, I believe I had no part in them. It was everybody else's fault sure. but my own. You know what I mean? Uh, what happened to me as a child, like I never thought that I could look at another human being because the one time that I did try to tell somebody the truth, it was backfired on me and nobody believed me. You know what I mean? So for many, many years, I was what, 39 years old when I did an honest four step. Yeah. I did I did the steps a couple times with Kobe and Tara, but I never I never sat down. That's why I had a couple relapses along the yeah. way, right? Yeah. Um, I never sat down and said, this is my trauma. These are my dirty secrets. This is what happened. This is my part. Fuck you. I have a yeah. part in somebody, what somebody did to me. Yeah. Yeah, I do, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? You never took the power out of it. No, exactly. And so ultimately, you know, because of all the untreated issues, you take off. Bert, bye. 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 Again. Bye, yeah. She's like, a runner. She's a track star. That, that's you my like jam. That? That's your jam. That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> and so just like anything, eventually, everything <laughs> catches up. Yeah. In 2011, you catch a nine and a half year prison sentence. Yes. Do you remember what that day was like? I remember um, one of those smoke can- smoke cans coming through my window. I remember um, me and me and that man fighting. I wanted to fucking oh god, I was so violent and so ugly, and I would no, refuse like no. yes, I refused to be the victim. We completely trashed that house. So it was my mom drops off my son because she knows that either I'm gonna die or he's gonna die, and if the baby's there for some odd reason that everything was going to be okay. And in the process, my mom's taking pounds and pounds of drugs, multiple different drugs out of the house. So I don't get raided with them. Right. Um, I slam dope. I do. I pick dope over my kids all the time. I never thought about being charged with child abuse or child neglect. Like, um, I never was a mom to even think about that or like what category would that really put me in? So when they raid me, they find two ounces of methamphetamines and a lot of paraphernalia. And once again, I have a blunt in my mouth smoking dope with my son in the crib and like thinking that I'm hard, right? Under the under my bed, I have a full-on kit full of methamphetamines and it's two and a half feet away from my son's crib. That's the kind of dope fiend that I become. Yeah. And uh, I get caught with it and I get caught with my son right there. Um they have guns pointed at us and I wouldn't pick my son up because there was guns pointed at us. And I remember this rookie shaking his gun and he's shaking because he has so much adrenaline going and I'm yelling at him and I think I'm hard and he knocks me out cold. Bink. <laughs> I wake up in County jail. He one piece you? Yeah. I want bink. Just <laughs> bink. Like, and I thought I was so high that I no one could ever knock me out. Right. Yeah. Little did I think, little did I know actually. Um, wake so you, up. Yeah. Wake up in County jail. With 15 indictments, bro. Oh, so you had that door card that went boom, 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 boom. 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 (laughs) Consecutive. The worst charge that I got was a child abuse and child neglect. You know, like, so I was known, you know, I had a jacket at that time. Uh, So I went into prison swinging. You know what I mean? That's how I started my time because I already had a jacket. And um, bitches like to think they're hard. Yeah. 
And it's crazy. It's crazy how everyone all of a sudden now they 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 go to prison. They're solid. Yeah. Like, dude, you're riding around sunny slope on a ten speed bike fucking last week. Now right? you're solid. Or you just had a sixteen year old girl yeah. cruising around yeah. with you, and yeah. you want to act like you're cool. Yeah, you know, like it's so ass backwards. Yeah. It's not even funny. It isn't. Like but it. you're right, though. I mean, that's you know they they you know they don't like that charge. It's yeah. just like a thing. Even though they don't know the whole specifics of it, it doesn't matter. And you already know that's so you're going in. So oh, some Ronda Rousey shit. Yeah, I'm a I'm a beast, you know. <laughs> I was born to fight. I was born like uh I get I get ticket after ticket after ticket after ticket after ticket. And then they try to make me go to mandatory, bro. Uh, I didn't bring it up earlier, I don't think, but never have I learned to read or write. Like um I was so broken at that age that I isolated and I like um I was rebellious. Yeah. I didn't want the teachers to get close to me. I was ugly, you know. Uh, you wouldn't let anyone help you. I wouldn't know. I was scared yeah. of people. I was vulnerable. You yeah, know. You don't like that shit. Hell no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I got tickets for refusing to go to mandatory. Cool. <laughs> We're talking about programming, <laughs> mandatory yeah, programming. programming. Yeah. Right? Take it, take it, take it, take it. I refuse to read out loud. I refuse to tell the teachers, aid and the teacher, that I need help. Because I don't know how to read and write. So instead, you put up this hard facade. Yeah. A young Griselda Blanco. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, but Miss K, shout out to Miss K. Shout out Miss K. Mama K. Uh -huh. She's seen right through my bullshit. She's a lifer over there on a medium yard. Um, and she wasn't having it no more. She wasn't allowing, because there was 16, 14 yard, 16 yard, 18 yard, and 20 yard. This before it was a. Apple, bear, whatever, whatever, A, B, C, D, right? Um, we had numbers at this time, and uh, the... Uh, she take you under her wing? No, she comes in my room, because I locked the yard down, and she says, <laughs> you could feed everybody else that bullshit, but I'm sick of you fucking youngsters coming over here that only have to do about five to six years on, on a max yard or on a medium yard and thinking you run this shit. We go outside and smoke cigarettes, and that's the only freedom we have. She, she don't got a release date. Hell no, man. And she had a pink hey, ruler in her the hand. The lifers will put some, yeah, exactly. put some perspective into it. <laughs> exactly. I know a lot of them around my time. Yes. And uh, she says, I know you don't know how to read and write. And I know you're scared. And I know you've been hurt. But this bullshit right here isn't going to fly no more or I'm going to kick your fucking ass with this pink ruler. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is wrong? This old lady's off her rocker, bro. Like, And she came and uh, she got Westerns at first, you know, and she taught me how to read and spell my name. And I always, this always makes me emotional because for the first time somebody came, you know, like, the first time someone showed me affection in the most positive manner in the whole world. Like, and she made me say that alphabet, Abba, because I used to get so mad. And she'd be like, spell your last name, Lanny. And I'd be like, no, I'm done. And she goes, spell your last name, and I'll go get you a cup of coffee. All right. Yeah. <laughs> With a orange spoon scoop or a white spoon? Right. I, I, I sure did spell my name. Yeah. I was like, you want me to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so you learned to read and write in prison. She take, I mean, 
I mean, that's, you know, I mean, when we think about everything that's leading up to, and I know there's a lot of things that we didn't have the opportunity to discuss as we went through this, you know, there's just so much that's involved in it, you know, and, and to sit here today, it's truly a miracle. And in 2014 was the worst year of your life, safe to say. Yeah. It was the worst year of your life. And so this is where we're going to cut part one. We're going to stop part one right here. I want to leave everybody thinking about that. Think about everything that this woman's been through, everything she's been through. And she's saying that 2014 was the worst year of her life while she's in prison. Think about what the possibilities of that could be. I want you to really think about that. But what I want you to do most importantly is really soak in everything that we've talked about so far. Because the second part, episode two, which will be dropping in two days... When you hear the miracle and the transformation of yes. what her life is like today, know, you right. cannot deny this miracle. So tune in for part two.